0: Hello and welcome to the Overland Journal podcast. My name is Ashley Giordano and I'm Senior Editor at Overland Journal and Expedition Portal. Today I'm joined by two, as they call themselves, crazy Swiss overlanders that have come all the way from Switzerland to Saudi Arabia. And I have the great fortune of being able to speak with them in their overland raid today. And we're going to talk about their journey over the last several years, how they've made their way from Switzerland to the Middle East. So thank you so much for joining me, Marcel and Kiara. Maybe you can just talk about yourselves a little bit. and. Introduce
1: yourselves and tell us how uh, you made it hello here. Hello, Overland Journal uh, audience. Uh, this is Marcel speaking, and Chiara will introduce herself in a in a short moment. We we call ourselves Overland Vagabond. You know the vagabonds, people without a home that are uh, mm-hmm. roaming around around the world. Um, and as a matter of fact, we started uh, with our journey, um, let me think, five, five, six years ago?
0: 2018.
1: 2018, that's the moment we sailed off from from Switzerland. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to talk too much because Chiara also should say something, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, never mind. We In 2018, yeah, we departed and the ambition those days was to go around the world one time, at least one time. Uh, and we arrived after 18 months or so, we arrived in Singapore just before the COVID uh, started. Um, We took a break, uh, but we were never able to get back to our car anymore. And that's why when actually our dream to go in one go around the world, yeah, faded away. Back to your question, what are we doing here? Well, we are uh, having a second attempt. We started uh, four months ago, roughly, from Switzerland, and we are attempting to reach Cape Town in these uh, what we call, season four and season five of our journey. And so far we have, uh, yeah, arrived in Saudi because we were not able in Africa to get through Sudan and Ethiopia. So we took the Middle East route, Arabian Peninsula. So far, we we like it a lot, but. Uh, why doesn't Chiara also say something?
0: Why don't you tell me a little bit about where you guys are from in Switzerland?
1: Okay, we
2: are from the south part of Switzerland, the Ticino. But actually, we never lived in Ticino. We spent our life in Singapore. <laughs> so, uh, Marcel was working in Singapore. I, uh, I was a housewife taking care of my, our daughter. And uh, after uh, 20, 20 years, we decided that it, uh, it was enough. Time to to change uh, the lifestyle. So our daughter went uh, to university in UK, and uh, we decided to do something uh, something crazy. <laughs>
0: How did this idea come about? So you're working in Singapore and you have a dream to overland the world. Where did this come from?
2: But actually, the crazy idea came from Marcel.
1: You know, you make choices in life. I wouldn't say it's a dream, but it was a kind of an attraction that I would not have to. I mean, let's put it that way. We we are really lucky people. I mean, I've been working hard. Yes, we have been putting some, some money aside. The lucky is in the fact that I don't have to to work until my year of retirement the official year of retirement which many countries is around 65 years old i was 56 57 and i decided i think we have done enough in terms of career in terms of you know having an executive job in in big companies and these kind of things and we wanted to discover something a bit more humble something simpler something that uh, allowed us to discover our ourselves and ourselves discover discovered the the world I mean we have been traveling in so many places but we actually did never understand and never grasp the content of what we what we had visited and and the people we had met it Why was about- you think
0: <coughs> that was so you were traveling before this but you just didn't was it not enough time or you didn't have a vehicle or something to get to where you wanted to go or
1: the vehicle is the mean to perform you dream if you want in my function in my career, in my job, in my profession, uh, I was traveling essentially uh, almost every other other week one week at home, the other week I was traveling and if you travel for business you know it's it's not not just the way you can really learn learn a country or or get to learn uh, people in in a specific place and and the attraction was there I mean we wanted to if I can speak yeah. behalf of both. We wanted to have a sur life, if you want. I mean there is the you know, the the early years until the, you know, you are 20, 25 years old, then you come, you have the middle section, which is the big career, you have to work and you have to make money and so on. Well, this is now our third life and we want to enjoy it in, in a different way. You know, not in having to care about uh, yeah making money, but really having having the option, having the luxury to, to travel routes, which uh, sometimes are also uh, quite...
2: Uh, dangerous?
1: Not Complicated? dangerous. Complicated? No, I would say... Uh, Unique, <laughs>
2: yes,
0: yeah. and did you have to convince? Oh, yes,
1: <laughs> oh, it yes, was, Tell me about that. it cost me a bottle of wine, <laughs> it's not bad,
2: a, a very expensive one. <laughs> <A very, laughs>
1: no, um, I think this was about six years ago, yeah. seven, seven, maybe seven years ago. I thought, okay, now uh, obviously, I get I have to get the partner, my partner, on my side, right? <laughs> so, we went for a dinner, and uh, when the bottle was empty, I obviously introduced <laughs> the intention. Chiara was. Uh, you know, immediately uh, agreeing with uh, with such a plan. The day after, I started already do, <laughs> you know, doing the own plans, and one of the you know, things we had to obviously decide was to get uh, a vehicle. And oh, deciding yes. uh, how the vehicle has to be is actually quite an interesting process.
0: Yeah, a lot goes into it. That is for sure. Did you see this coming oh, when he yeah. sat down? Were you like, oh...
1: Yeah, something
2: yeah, like... I, I, something's yeah, going on. Yeah, something is going on and I was... Yeah, maybe I was like a, a boat or a car. That was the question. Ah. I didn't know which one, but I know some Thing was uh, was coming
0: when the <laughs> bottle of wine came out you...
2: <laughs> not really the bottle of wine but uh, I was thinking, uh, something is happened here
0: because <laughs> right. you did talk we talked about this earlier about how you were trying to decide whether vote or Yes. Cool, right? Yeah. So, why did you end up choosing the vehicle as your platform for travel?
1: Uh, well, both are actually a you know, good way of traveling the world, but you have to kind of understand what you like most. Are you liking, you know, more the water and being able from port to port to enjoy the freedom on? on sea? Or are you more interested in discovering what the land has to offer, you know, the mountains and the deserts? We are passionate I about this I love deserts. With a boat, you can't, you can't, you know, <laughs> see a desert. It doesn't work.
0: What do you love about the desert? I know you guys are so passionate about the desert landscape and we've really enjoyed speaking with both of you about, like, all the different deserts scapes that you've seen all
2: over the world but uh, desert is uh, they are peaceful they are nice they are they have history they i don't know they are they what we say they are fascinating or mm-hmm. what is the word i i don't know in english yeah and uh, we love we love the the desert it's it's nice i can uh, we can spend many days inside the desert and uh, it's never enough it's uh, it's amazing.
1: <laughs> it's maybe a contrast. I mean, we were born in Switzerland in the south uh, where there are still quite um, important mountains. So we are, we are mountaineers, if you can say, and the desert is pretty much a contrast mm-hmm. to being in the mountains because it's all flat normally. <laughs> there are dunes, but it, it's essentially flat, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what is also very amazing is the fact that you may be hours or kilometers away from getting another human being or finding another human being you are Destined, you know, in you have to cope with nature uh, in a very extreme fashion. If you take the Dar Shalut in in uh, in Iran, this is probably the hottest place on Earth, uh, where the temperature can go above fifty degrees Celsius. Wow! Um, I don't know in Fahrenheit. You can, you can, <laughs> <you> can, <laughs> I don't you can know do either. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's known to be the the hottest place o- on Earth, right? And and you go there. There is no one else. You have a car if it breaks down you are in trouble yes. right and um, and this kind of challenge is what is is very kind of intriguing to me, oh, yes. and I like that. I yes. like
0: nice. that. <laughs> so speaking of challenges, you agreed that you were both going to go overland together yes. around the world, and the vehicle was the next step. Maybe tell us a little bit about which vehicle did you choose and why, and how did it come together?
2: First, we tried to find the, the pickup. The choice was the first choice actually was the Toyota Hilux because we were in Singapore. We went uh, on the Asian part and look and uh, the eye looks we would like to have in Europe it was not possible so we we choose the Ford Ranger that was a good uh, a good price a good deal so the it was the Ranger nice after it was the the shell
1: I mean to be to be honest um, there is actually a YouTube video I can't remember whether it's uh, see, it's season zero episode I think two or three where I explain the process of um, choosing you know your own rig your own... Uh, vehicle, which, by the way, is can be completely different from person to person, from, from couple to couple, or family to family. Uh, I try to mm, several times to highlight the fact that you need to understand your own requirements first. Are you using it to do what? Wh- what are, What are you really pursuing? Do you want to just do off road all the time? Do you want to you know do long kilometers? Do you need a certain comfort, or are you more spartanic in the way you uh, you inst- all uh, your equipment. These are all things you need to understand first. We went through the process uh, mm. to understand our requirements, and eventually, well, the result is what you see here. Uh, it's a compromise. Obviously, we would like to have more space, you know, more, a better toilet if you want, or, or but uh, on the other hand, we wanted to be also quite quick, and quite um, agile in the way we, we travel. I mean, we can travel like a normal car. It goes theoretically into a container, and it was one of the requirements, so we can ship it across continents. Things may change, or, or uh, other people may have different requirements, so the outcome yes. would be a different one.
0: Besides fitting in a shipping container and being agile, what were some of the other requirements that were important
1: to you? Well, obviously, uh, all-terrain. I mean, we, we want to... You know, be able to visit deserts as an example. You can't do that with a normal camper. You need a specifically uh, equipped uh, 4x4 rig that is capable of doing that. Yeah, there are other requirements like uh, it has to be reliable. We had, as Chiara explained, we had to opt to get this Ford Ranger which is by the way not an American but it's a it's it's a European uh, or Australian better say type of vehicle but we have traveled in several countries where this brand and this model and make doesn't exist at all you know you travel through Iran through I don't know, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan. Uh, These are kilometers and kilometers you drive. And if something happens, you are in trouble because there is no workshop who is going to uh, repair anything because this car does not exist in those countries. Um, So that was a compromise. I would have Mm. liked to have a Hilux.
0: Did you buy the Ford in Singapore? Did you buy it in Switzerland?
1: How did you? Well, the entire planning lasted about four years. Uh, planning and build Uh, sorry I have Mm. to be uh, planning and build lasted about four years two years was the planning itself and two years the build now the platform had to be bought after two years uh, and by that time we were about to ship everything from Singapore back to to Europe. So we bought the Ford Ranger in Germany because it was just easier to to get it there. Right. Uh, And we imported it into Switzerland. We drove it straight to uh, Vienna, close to Austria, Austria, where the cell, which is the camper side of the car, uh, was started to be to be molded and that was the year number three where the cell got, got molded attached to the to the frame and so on and the fourth year that's when I took over and I did, I did the entire <laughs> interior and also, also the change to, to the vehicle and, you know new suspension new shocks new bumpers uh, the winch and the usual stuff
0: right which suspension did you go
1: with I originally Shock. I didn't use the stock ones because they were not rough or tough in Enough, uh, so we bought the old man Emu, uh, that's an Australian product. Uh, unfortunately, after 40,000 kilometers, uh, the shocks were completely dead. Uh, now, I have the second uh, version of you know the, the heavy duty shocks, which are uh, conies, and hopefully, they will last until until South Africa. Let's
0: yeah, see, put on a historical Oh, yes, yes, snorkel. You said Fred. And
1: rear bumper? Uh, yeah, the front bumper, uh, because uh, we had to host a winch. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So you need another bumper. And the rear bumper is, I mean, they're all custom made. Uh, and the rear bumper is actually a air, an air tank, because it, when when I let the compressor run, it actually fills my rear bumper with air. Which <laughs> oh, <well, cool. laughs> you know Yeah, it's a, something yeah, a bit particular to, to this build.
0: Nice. So you had the vehicle and the cell, or the camper, and the camper was came empty, is that correct? Yes. And then you built it out. Yes. And you took a lot of inspiration from boat building and how boats are built for the interior.
1: I, absolutely. I mean, being close to North Italy and the Locomo Lake, uh, you know, this is an area where there is lots of craftman, craftsmanship about uh, boat building. There is there is a lot of uh, people that know how to build the interiors of those of Boat. those boats, and we copied or took over some of these techniques and technologies in making the interior of our cell. Uh, you can see lots of uh, wood. Um, it's teak wood, and you can see usual stuff that you normally would see on a on a stable.
0: Definitely, yeah. How did you decide where to put everything? I guess did you did you come in and say oh. was, like the sink here or the kitchen here? No, or? that
2: was Marcel. No, no. <laughs> here is Marcel.
0: <laughs> did you see other vehicles that inspired you, or did you kind of sit in the camper as an empty shell and visualize? Or
1: no, I mean, we I discussed it also with the guy in Austria that built the the shell, because we had obviously to prepare things a little bit for what was to come. But there are a few rules that you have to follow. So everything which uh, has weight, uh, which is heavy, you try to keep it between the two axles. axles? Yeah. 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 Okay. So you don't put any big weights to the very end, to the very back. Uh, The kitchen is quite light. That's actually why it went there. The bed was clear. I mean, it's, you know, the front side where we can uh, sleep very comfortably. I have to say, mm-hmm. nice. yeah, very good. We sleep very really well yeah.
2: here, right? It's very comfortable the bed. Actually, much comfortable than the one at home. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. This yeah, is yes,
0: important. I like how. I don't think I've seen a lot of uh, Overland campers that have this kind of rounded shape. And with the Ranger, you're quite narrow. It's obviously easy to fit in tight spaces to a certain extent.
2: And the nice yeah. things is uh, sleeping. Uh, with the stars yeah, yeah you
0: have a window right above your head
2: yes so it's uh nighttime, yeah. it's uh, it's wonderful
1: yeah we have a window up, up our head but we also can open completely the roof the entire roof section uh, which is very good when it's hot. We could not afford an AC uh, simply because of weight reasons. An AC takes a lot of energy so you have to have big batteries and it's it's not something that goes in into this kind of build. So you need to have lots of air. So we have uh, ventilators, Yeah, the roof, the open, open roof.
0: Yes, and you have a heater. Oh yes, as well. Which
1: one do you have? It's a Truma 6D, if I'm not mistaken. Over spec for this kind of. uh, I mean, it's it's incredible. In five minutes, I can turn this into a sauna. Nice. That's
0: great because you've been in some really cool places. We have been, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. So tell me about you have the vehicle build done. You're ready to go. This is season zero, I believe. On your YouTube channel, you've documented all of this. And you go to leave. You do a few countries and you're upright and you're learning along the way. What did you learn from the, I guess, maiden voyage or the test trip?
2: Oh, no, the test trip, we went to France, actually. Just for two weeks, if I'm not wrong. So we just went to the north of France just to check the 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 car if it was. Uh, any problem just to be to understand how things are working and uh, yeah it was uh, it was okay actually
0: what kinds of things did you learn do you remember It was a while ago
2: oh it's a long time ago you <laughs> have to think about it yeah I mean essentially
1: we tested that everything works. yes mm-hmm. I mean filling water you know or ah. you know I mean there are simple stuff that uh, you need to know how they work and uh, also because if you find yourself uh, somewhere in in Central Asia and you have to know how, how things if things actually work the way they were planned to
2: actually after we we came back I changed uh, all the organization of the, the kitchen I changed everything because it, it was not uh, on the way I like it we changed uh, a lot of things actually but at the end uh, it was I think September we were ready to start our uh, we were journey we are not ready but we say yeah yesterday.
1: yeah we well, are...
0: you're never ready you're never
1: ready <laughs> <laughs> it was <kind laughs> Time, time to leave yes. you know? yes. and, yeah and uh, okay that, that, that is back in 2018 18 yes you know our our dream was to drive from Switzerland to Singapore then continue to Australia then South America North America uh, then Africa and back to Europe that was our our dream
2: yeah right? the plan was like that
1: and all those things happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. and as I was mentioning before, arrived in Singapore, you know, our dream uh, came to a halt.
2: But not in Singapore, in Johor, in Bahru.
1: Yes. So
0: take me through, you did the trip in France, and you learned these things, rearranged your kitchen, and then it was time to go.
2: And then... Where did you go? So we start from Italy. No, from Switzerland, sorry. We start from Switzerland, and uh, we arrived season one, it was until uh, Marcello, Marcel.
1: Okay, we, we split our entire journey into what we call seasons. Yes. Uh, season one was from Switzerland to Georgia. Georgia, mm-hmm. not Georgia, US. Georgia. Georgia, <laughs> Georgia in, uh, in Asia. And uh, I would say the highlight of that trip was about two months that we spent in Turkey, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is a fantastic country to visit. I wouldn't do it in the winter, but uh, any time close to the winter is, is fantastic. And you can choose, you know, north or south if you want mm-hmm. more cold more warmer weather.
0: What did you enjoy about Turkey? Because I've heard a lot of people say they really love Turkey for a variety of reasons. Why did you like it?
1: Well, first of all, uh, it's the closest you can get uh, out of Europe from home, right? I mean, the moment you cross the Bosphorus, you, you are in Asia. <laughs> <which> is, <laughs> and and Probably you you know you heard it before, but uh, we have a special affection for Asia. Having been living 20 years in Asia, getting into the same continent. Again, was a bit of spe- uh, yeah, was special. The nice thing about Turkey is, uh, first of all, from a cultural side. Um, I mean, there are so many, you know, Greek, uh, Roman, old cities that you have to visit. Mm. And uh, one is just more beautiful than the next, than the other one. Uh, the food is, is good. The people are nice. Um, the infrastructure is actually excellent, I have to say. So the roads are paved above 2,000 meters. Yeah. Which is... Mm. Uh, yeah, excellent. You have a three G coverage across, everywhere across the nation. I mean, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, the only part where we felt it has still, it had still to be developed, and I'm talking about 2018, uh, was the Kurdish area. But having visited uh, again uh, the Kurdistan um, when was that, three months ago? Yeah, October. I, I October. can see a major upgrade in these last two, three years uh, since we were there la- the first time.
0: In terms of infrastructure? Yes. Ah,
1: yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: all right. So you got
1: to Turkey and Turkey, then... From Turkey, actually, you cross into Georgia and it was um, close to Christmas and uh, for us time to have a first break. Right. I mean, our philo- philosophy is that we move the vehicle across the globe and uh, whenever we feel we need a break, we, we take go a back. break. We go back home, we fly back home, mm-hmm. uh, leaving the vehicle where it is and uh, take two, three months in order to digest and to recharge, uh, digest what we have learned, yes. seen, and and we charge our own batteries
0: so i think you said uh earlier every four to five months or something like that yes something like like that yes which i think is if you can do it, uh, it's a good idea. Like you were saying, to process what you've seen, what you've learned.
1: Yeah, it's and you great. have- great, see family. Exactly, you yeah. have friends or family that you, you have to see from time to time, mm-hmm. right? Um, do
0: you get lonely on the road, just the two of you ever?
1: No. <laughs> I, I, I don't feel at all, no, no not at all. That's I mean, good. we are quite open and we, we like to approach people and talk to people. If you have that kind of attitude, uh, you will never be alone. True, yeah.
2: Everywhere we go, we found the nice people. We it's, it's fantastic traveling like that because really you you have friends everywhere. We have friends everywhere, actually. It's amazing.
0: And having those breaks to go back home and see friends and family probably
2: that is as it, well. It, yes. There's a little
0: bit of a recharge. Yeah, yes. To come back fresh.
2: Yeah, yeah, because after five months, you start uh, to say you you see a nice place, something very nice or uh, an Archaeological site, and you start to say, "Yes, nice, very nice. Okay, another one." So it's really time to stop because you don't enjoy anymore. What are you? What do you have? So it's uh, it's time to really have a break.
0: Okay, so you made it to Georgia. Yes. Had your break and came back.
1: We came back in March. We paid a fine of um, six hundred euros. Six hundred euros because we overstayed. Oh, or the no. car overstayed. The, oh, oh, the yeah. car. <laughs> I was going to
0: ask about that. Um, have you ever had an issue like not being able to find somewhere to leave your vehicle?
1: No, so far? that's not the problem. But sometimes you just don't know all the rules, sure. right? Sure. Like Georgia, the temporary
0: import permit or yes, something. Yes, jo-
1: Georgia yeah. allows you ninety days, and we overstayed. I mean, the vehicle overstayed and uh-huh. stayed hundred and twenty days or something. Like that. So we have to pay a fine but yes. whatever okay yeah <laughs> anyhow georgia azerbaijan uh, first highlight was iran uh, i know that some of us uh, are not allowed to travel freely through iran but i can say it is an amazing country yeah and the people are are extremely nice uh, so that was one of the highlight of season two the second highlight i would say was the pamir
2: the pamir highway, highway yes
1: when you start to, I mean, obviously there is the Silk Road, you go through Uzbekistan, Samarkand and all these nice places. But once you start the vacant corridor and you go up three, four thousand meter and you reach this plateau, which is uh, like the roof of, of the world. I mean, it's, it's just amazingly beautiful. And that's the Pamir, Pamir mountain, Pamir, the highway, Pamir, which is not a highway. <laughs> oh, no no. It's, it's actually a track full of <laughs> potholes. Um, <laughs> that's that's what the Pamir Highway is. Then you you go down the other side and you reach um, Kyrgyzstan, which is um, Switzerland of Asia. Everything is green. There are pastures all over the place. Um, beautiful. And um, we ended season two in Ablyk, <coughs> which is in uh, in Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan being the number four, five biggest country in the world. And huge.
0: Amazing. What was it like keeping track of documentation for all those border crossings? Was it difficult or?
1: Well, in- Comparison to what we experienced these last few months, <laughs> yeah. we are talking we yeah. are now actually yeah. on season four, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going through some of the Middle East countries, I have to say uh, it was fairly easy.
2: Very right? easy, yes.
1: If you can cross a border within three, four hours, I think, I mean, to us, it is an easy border crossing. <laughs> yes. Right? I mean, the former um, Soviet Union uh, countries, they are pretty
2: organized, well organized yeah.
1: gotcha. yeah.
0: and did you need to get visas or yep. did you need to get visas in countries embassies uh, beforehand or yes you, yeah. yes
1: okay. i mean most of the countries allow you to uh, organize either the visa electronically mm-hmm. or on arrival right. but there are three countries in our first three seasons that where we had to get the visas upfront. Uh, one was iran there is no way you can, or at least there was no way before uh, you could get uh, the visa outside of your home country, okay? Uh, the second one was Russia, and the third one was China, I will come when we talk about season three. Yes. The problem is that when you get your visa in your home country, it's normally only lasting or, you know, it, it's expiring normally after six months. So what happened, and that's actually the reason why we also put in the breaks, when we came home from Almaty. We flew home to get the Russia and the China visas uh, yeah. so we could go for another leg which was in season 3.
0: Right. And what about a carne? Did you have to get a carne at all?
1: Yes, you need yeah. carne for uh, not many countries uh, but definitely for of those I just mentioned uh, Iran. That's a must. Mm.
0: You guys are so fortunate that you can travel freely like you were saying through Iran because I know British, American and Canadian need to hire a guy that goes with them or have restrictions on travel, so yes, yeah. yes,
1: unfortunately, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe these will will change one day.
0: Yeah, we'll see. You for I time.
1: hope so. <laughs> Fingers
0: crossed. So you end up
1: in Almaty, Kazakhstan. Right. That was the end of season two. Okay. Uh, we started um, three months later in July. So we started three months later uh, from Almaty. We drove north. We went into Siberia into the Altai area. We didn't spend a lot of time, frankly, in in uh, Siberia. It was very we hot. we wanted to spend as much as we could. We got one month's visa in Mongolia. And ah, we, yeah. we wanted to have 30 days in Mongolia. And we had an appointment at the Mongolia-China border that we couldn't miss. <laughs> it was the 10th of September. We had to be there. So eventually, we stayed only, only two weeks in Siberia. Uh, but it was enough to learn the Altai area. Yeah, very beautiful. Yes, wonderful. Yeah, and then one month in in Mongolia, which was fantastic. That's the paradise of every overlander. Why Uh, is that? First of all, uh, there are no roads. There are only directions. (laughs) Uh, So when you go from one place to the other. You just head one place, head towards that place. There is no, no road to follow. You just follow a track, the track that goes closest in the direction you want to go.
2: And the best thing was the washboard, Amarsson. No, <laughs>
1: that's not the, be- the best. Thing, the best thing is that when it, you know, it's five, six, seven o'clock and you think, oh, maybe we should find a camp. Wherever you are, you just stop. And that's where you put, wow. yes. you put your camp. Wow. It's it's one huge campground. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mongolia. Yeah, and and okay. Apart apart from that, I mean the the landscape. Uh, They're
2: beautiful, fantastic. fantastic.
1: Okay. We, we started um, to visit one part of Mongolia, which is not known at all, which is the Altai. <laughs> And what we experienced in that one week was sensation. The second, I would say, highlight in Mongolia was the Gobi. The Gobi desert, yes. We crossed the Gobi, you know, in each direction. (laughs) We were a bit crazy because we were alone. Um, You know, Mongolia is quite tough on the vehicle. Mm. Of three cars that go to Mongolia, one breaks down completely. The second one has some major failures that need repair. And the third one, yeah, gets through unscathed. We had absolutely no problem. No problem. problem Nice. That's awesome. Then came uh, the crossing of China from north to south. Yes, mm-hmm. from uh, Herenaut. So
0: you met up with a few other
1: travelers. Yes. yes. You can't, you can't do that on your own. You need Correct. a guide. We, we were, um, actually, I and another lady from Germany, we organized a group of uh, four cars. And the four of us uh, hired a guide. And uh, with the guide, 40 days, we crossed uh, the entire China. That was tiring. <laughs> Because I mean, yeah. you do a lot of kilometers. China is not small, yeah. right? And uh, and frankly, you know, forty days are. I mean, you every day you have to travel about two, three hundred kilometers. Yeah. Uh-uh.
0: Wow, what was it like having a guide there? How did that work logistically?
1: We we were extremely lucky. I mean, mm. we were on our own normally for one or even two days, and after two days we met the guide and we go and have dinner together, and we are let alone again for another two days. Really, very easy. Extremely easy. And the good thing, the guide was organizing uh, the entry tickets for all the sites visiting. Yeah. You know. Oh, nice. So, yeah, doing a lot of things that we could not as Europeans because we don't speak yeah, Chinese. Yeah, because of the language.
0: And how did you track down a guide?
1: Social medias. Yeah. You know, they <laughs> <laughs> help a lot.
0: Sure. Uh, like Facebook groups and
1: yeah, yeah. things like mm. that. Yeah. We ask around and eventually we found this uh, these company and the guide because mm. every company has a number of guides mm. and not all are equally good. I see. The one we found was really... Really good,
2: really good and nice. Yeah,
0: yeah, those Facebook groups can be really helpful. Overland Middle East Facebook group. That is how I found you guys. That's how we yeah. met. <laughs>
2: that's
0: how I found out a lot of information about this area before we decided to come to Saudi. So it's really helpful. And Absolutely. And it, it's awesome too because you get to connect with other people. Well, yeah. it's
1: not like the Panamericana. Panamericana. Mm-hmm. where sooner or later you bump into another overlander because it's it's just one way right in asia or even here in the middle east you don't see other overlanders you are essentially on your own unless you know you know someone that is traveling in the air and you can make an appointment mm-hmm. you can meet mm-hmm. yeah you know yes. but it's very tough to meet uh, other overlanders mm-hmm.
0: yes yeah, it's a whole different ball game over here, I'm or,
1: realizing. Yeah. Or at least the way we travel, because, you know, we are now in mid of January
0: mm-hmm. in
1: Saudi Arabia. Um, it's probably not, how should I say, the best season to do Saudi Arabia. Definitely not December, but, and the country is so big. It is. It's huge. So just to complete, we did China. Yeah. Um, after China, we went into Laos for the first part, because, you know, Laos... And Thailand are two countries which are very long from, mm. from top to down. We went first the first time to Thailand uh, just to visit uh, places we know pretty well, like Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai, and uh, just to tick them off uh, with our own car mm. instead of having a rented car. Um, so then we went back into into Laos. Into Laos, uh, we met some friends there which uh, were coming uh, also out of China then we travelled south uh, we crossed into Cambodia we went back to Thailand from Thailand we went into Malaysia and then uh, our trip was coming to an end because I mean this season was coming to yeah. an end mm-hmm. and we actually spr- were quite fast because that's an area of asia we know we know where very well right and yeah.
0: the countries are getting smaller uh,
1: s- yes in comparison Well, in to comparison asia, to china absolutely yeah. <laughs> yes yeah our target was to reach um, singapore which means Johor. You know, maybe Singapore is the only country in the world that does not allow overlanders' uh, vehicles. That's right. In. Yeah. Uh, the moment you have uh, either a kitchen or a sleeping capability, the car is not allowed to enter. So we we parked just outside Singapore, which is Johor. And that was the end of uh, season three. Uh, uh,
2: 2019.
1: It was Christmas mm-hmm. 19. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We flew home with the intention to get back... In, in
2: February. February. The 12th.
1: And... And in the meantime, COVID came up and uh, we didn't see the car for another 18 months. It was just wow. stuck, stuck in Malaysia and we could not fly uh, to, to Malaysia to pick up the car.
0: Where did
2: you park it? We parked it to some uh, some friends, very good friends. So just leave the car at uh, their uh, their place, and uh, the the car was safe. But uh, under the rain and under the sun, that was the problem. Ah,
0: (laughs) How did that affect things?
2: Especially the rain. uh, But when the the car came back, came back. Actually, Marcel was doing a lot.
1: Well, uh, there have been um, in the last few weeks before the car was shipped back to Europe, uh, there has been some uh, heavy flooding in, in Malaysia, the, ah. in the area, and uh, our car got flooded as well. Oh no! <laughs> uh, it was full of water, and uh, as you can imagine, with all the wood that we have, I mean, everything was was uh, moldy and uh, stinky. It took me three months to to repair it. The most important thing is that uh, it took us about 18 months until we got the car back from Malaysia thanks to our friends we managed to get it onto a ship and through Roro we shipped it to Bremerhaven in Germany
0: okay uh, so did your friends have to drive it on or did you end up being uh, able to come and
1: it do was. That? Just to move it from Johor to the port, it took me six months. And I'm not joking. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> because uh, first, uh, COVID, every country implements restrictions in its own way. And yeah. Malaysia, they decided to block the interstates. That means you cannot move, you cannot drive You know, from one country within Malaysia, or let's say from one province to the next to the, province. Yeah. So these, you know, two months until this these would, would happen then when it was ready to be driven to the port the port was about 300 kilometers away there was no ship the ship cancelled, you know so no vessels no vessels yes and the moment the vessel was available the drivers turned down and said no I'm not driving the car anymore uh, because of fear uh, because of COVID and all this stuff sure so eventually I tow trucked it from Jobaru to Port Klang which is the port of uh, (laughs) Kuala Lumpur and uh, finally make it it made it on on a vessel and a month later it was uh, in Germany
0: so what did you do for those 18 months (laughs) that must have been tough because you had well we
1: we gained weight for sure yeah (laughs) no it was
2: it was boring at home
0: yeah, I, I bet. Mean,
1: I mean, what what I was doing most of the time is editing videos uh, mm. because I had enough material. Mm. Uh, so eventually, yeah, a few YouTube videos got up, uploaded. Um, oh yes. Yeah. but um, yeah, it was about planning what was coming next, what was you know about to happen next so i had to buy all the pieces repair do all the repairs to the mm-hmm. vehicle and eventually once that was done uh, i started to plan what we are doing now which is season 4 and season 5
0: okay did you leave again from switzerland or from germany on this next
2: thing? from uh, from switzerland we left on the 5th of october we left switzerland so we just uh, italy the balkans turkey again after it was the iraqi uh, uh, kurdistan uh, after we try from from the iraqi kurdistan to enter in the iraqi the arab part but it was impossible so we went back to Suleimania and try to got a visa for iran from iran just a transit visa for a 5 day visa uh, after uh, A long discussion and uh, waiting and waiting. three attempts. Three attempts, yes. After three attempts, we got it. So we went to Iran, five days. And finally, we entered in uh, uh, Basra in Iraq.
0: So this is where things get very interesting. (laughs)
2: Oh, yes. (laughs)
0: Because I don't think a lot of people have gone through Iraq as overlanders. And you were saying that you think that possibly you guys were the first in almost 30 years.
1: First of all, you need to know Iraq has actually the northern side, which Mm is the Kurdistan. And the Kurdish uh, side of Iraq is something that you can explore as an overlander. So uh, when we talk about uh, the uh, real Iraq, we talk about the Arab side of, of Iraq okay. uh, that's where Baghdad uh, Negev uh, Basra and these cities are and uh, as you correctly say I think it's about 30 years that no one is traveling that that country and, why uh, were
0: you let's do this let's go well that's our here.
1: our adventurous uh, spirit <laughs> <laughs> right uh, someone had to do it first sure yeah. and uh, and we and you felt, saw a
0: possibility obviously
1: we, we, we felt predestined uh, yeah. in the sense that you just don't drive to the border and and you knock the door and say, hey, hey we, are know, we are here. Swiss, can we get through, right? <laughs> That's not the way it we We prepared this trip for about six months. And uh, we obviously got in touch with the consuls in, um, uh, of Iraq in Switzerland and uh, had long conversations uh, with them. And eventually they helped us to understand what is the procedure to get through Iraq. Um, mm. It's actually something that uh, the country, Iraq, has not been pursuing before uh, this day. Uh, and now they want to open up a little bit and uh, yeah we were probably just the first doing that.
0: So what did that, what did those procedures entail? Six um, months of, of planning and research and
1: well, the, the, the fact is is that Iraq is willing to open the borders to travelers like us. Okay. So the procedure is essentially to arrive at the border and explain them what they have to do. But the fact is really that no one knew what to do when we arrived. Gotcha.
0: Because okay. why would they?
1: Uh, because we were, yeah, <laughs> we were the first one, right. and, and no one knew that Baghdad being the capital of Iraq, the uh-huh. Baghdad uh, government is actually interested, you know, in having foreigners traveling through their country. Right. But they don't know that at the border. Okay. Uh, So it it was absolutely not easy to get. And the first, I mean, the border crossing from Iran to Iraq took an entire day. I think Mm. we, we arrived at the hotel in Basra. Uh, it was about 11 o'clock. 11
2: o'clock at night, yes. In the
1: night and, and we started very early in the morning. So it took us, I don't know, 15 hours. Uh,
2: 16, 17, 17, 17 hours, hours yes. yes.
1: And then comes uh, the crossing of Iraq, which is. Um, we have overlanded in over 50 countries. Mm-hmm. This is really, really another dimension in terms of mm. challenge in terms mm-hmm. of difficulty of traveling
0: What did you have to overcome traveling throughout the country?
1: Well it's it's ambivalent. On on one side you have extremely nice people. Yeah. When you go to the villages I mean you can explain. Yeah. Yes
2: that the people are very kind and very warm. They open their
1: house they give you food they, they give you
2: everything. You are like king and, and the queen really it's something amazing. They're wonderful. So
1: the people, the, the village and so on, are extremely nice to be with. Uh, but to move around, you have to go through main roads that are filled by checkpoints. And checkpoints, we uh, saw some checkpoints here, mm-hmm. uh, those in, here in Saudi. Those in Iraq are of a complete different nature. You get stopped in any case. Every time. And if you are lucky, in 10, 15 minutes, you can go on. If you are not lucky, you wait two, three hours until they let you go.
0: Wow. And how far apart are the checkpoints usually?
1: It can happen that you drive another kilometers and you get to the next (laughs) checkpoint, which does not talk to the previous checkpoint. So you start the entire procedure again. Wow. The difficulty for us is that you actually don't know what they are checking. I mean, they. <laughs>
0: I was going to ask you, what <laughs> are they checking when you're there no, for? They they take
1: minutes? they take the passports. They make pictures of all our passports. Um, there are a few other papers that we have with us, and then starts you know the entire process of talking to the superior, talking to the superior of the superior, talking to the general, talking to I don't know to whom they talk, uh, and eventually you know they say yeah you can go. It, it's it's very it's very tedious. Um, sure.
0: Who is manning the checkpoints? Is it military? Is it, who are the, what group, I guess, make up the checkpoints? Yes,
1: these are military military checkpoints. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. And what are they, you don't know what they're, what are they looking for? Are they there to protect whoever's going along the highway from...
1: I mean, they always say it's for your safety, Mm -hmm. that, you know, they check you. Uh, Yeah, we don't understand. We, we regularly understand exactly what, what they... want to check
0: how many days did you spend in iraq in
1: the arab iraq so Mm -hmm. from basra to the jordan border yeah uh, we spent in total about 10 days okay i think that's that's enough
0: yeah i was gonna say did it feel worth it for all of the checkpoints and the paperwork and the time to be able to experience those beautiful sides
1: and chat with the local it, It's people. an adventure challenge that we <laughs> wanted to undertake, yes. and we we are extremely happy that we did. Yes. And we opened the route, to be very frank, because it's the only way you can drive today a car mm. from Europe to Middle East without having to ship it. Amazing. I mean, Syria would be another way, but it's closed. You don't okay. drive to Syria these days. Uh, Iran, there is a ferry from Iran to, to the Emirates, since COVID, this ferry is not not working. Uh, or at least it's only working in part. You can ship the car, but you can't go. I mean, it's it's a ferry anyhow. Sure. The only way on the road to come from Europe, to drive from Europe to, to Middle East is to Iraq.
0: And I thought it was really interesting that we were chatting earlier. You were saying that a couple of other groups have actually now come through Iraq. Into Q8
1: or yeah, you mentioned these uh, overland Middle East group. Yes, the
0: Facebook. That's
1: group. where I posted uh, just a short article about our experience to mm. drive through Iraq. I don't know how many people have asked me questions. How did you do it? Mm, we, yeah, but a lot. And as a matter of fact. Um, Two months later, uh, a German couple, couple yeah. has uh, done the same. However, after three days, I think they turned into Kuwait. They didn't go. They didn't go any, any longer in, in through to Iraq, sure. um, uh, which is understandable. I mean, Iraq is really a tough, uh, very tough country to overland.
0: And how did you find accommodation there? Like, how did you? Were you camping? Were you not camping? Were you doing hotels there? Did you feel
1: safe? There are places you have to go into a hotel simply because there is no way you can find a camp, a camping ground, actually a camping Anything. spot, yeah. a spot you where know, to that, stop, yeah, where you you are not spotted by someone, right. The problem is if you stop somewhere, it's a matter of uh, 10 minutes, half an hour and uh, you will have the police there checking around or close to the big cities.
2: um, It's impossible.
1: It's impossible. You you have to go into a hotel. But the good thing is when you go into the small villages. So uh, in the marshes, which is in the south of Iraq, there are many such little villages. You just drive into those villages and uh, normally you will see a big house in the middle. in the moody, there that's where the sheik of the village is normally hosting his guests and once the sheik accepts you as a guest you are protected by him there is no police no officer no military or whatever that can harm you Uh, he takes responsibility and uh, and there you can camp you can camp in his village you know, and he, he tells you what to do, he gives you access to his house. You can do everything.
0: That's fascinating. My other question was about preconceived ideas about a place. So Iraq is somewhere I think that globally we have preconceived ideas about what that country is like. Did you have any of those when you went in and how did the trip through the country change them?
1: You can't avoid it to have preconceived opinions about a country, simply mm-hmm. because our opinions are influenced by the medias and the way how things are presented to us. Luckily, and it's just one way, but luckily there are social media platforms that allow you to gain experience from people who have traveled before you. That works as an example for Iran. I mean, everyone, you know, in the Western Hemisphere mm-hmm. thinks Iran is uh, probably the one of the worst places to go. I'm so sorry, but it's no. a problem apart from being fantastic from a landscape perspective, people are, are genuinely uh-huh. nice. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really nice. Friendly and, and and overwhelming. Which is totally the opposite of what the media will tell you. Yes. Now, Iraq is a different pair of shoes because um, there are not many who have traveled to Iraq and it has obviously nothing to do with um, what Western military forces have been doing in those countries. You have to kind of find, a, I would say, your own you have to make your own experience. While for I- certain count. The social media platforms can help you have a, a more balanced opinion uh, or a more objective opinion before you travel into the country. This was not really possible in Iraq because no one has traveled Iraq before, at least not the way we have done. it. So we had to rely on our own gut feel and our own experience uh, having traveled in a number of countries. The moment you are open, the moment you you have a smile on your face, the moment you are honest and you are yourself, 99% of the cases you will find uh, you will have a very positive feedback from from the people. Right. And this happens everywhere.
0: Yes, yeah. I always. I think there's a quote about you don't judge the people of a country based on their government. Or, yes, right. Absolutely. So okay, so you got through Iraq, trailblazing. Then what
1: um, what's next? Then the intention was to obviously go into Jordan because that's the best way of exiting Iraq, entering Jordan. Uh, we did that. We went into Egypt, which was a nightmare. <laughs>
2: no, no. no, it was uh, nice.
1: No, no, not not Egypt, sorry. The border crossing was... Ah, okay. Was challenging. Absolutely challenging. I Twi- mean, that's... 24 hours. That's where we spent mm-hmm. 24 hours on the border. We slept on the border. I mean, we don't have to go into the detail, but that's the kind of border crossing that as an overlander, you really don't want to have to... Uh, <laughs> no. Too many of. It. Truth.
2: <laughs> but we managed.
1: Egypt is actually a very beautiful yeah, country. Yeah, it's a very so,
2: nice country.
1: Uh, to, to travel... Um, a part of, you know, this usual checkpoints and.
2: Yeah, but it was quite fast, the checkpoint and. Uh...
1: But you get escorted. Uh, one yeah, police once, car we... in the front, yeah, yeah. front, yeah. one police car in the back. There are areas you are not allowed to travel on your own. Our plan was from Egypt to drive to Sudan, Ethiopia, and then go straight towards, not straight, but gently towards uh, South Africa. We knew Ethiopia was a challenge by the time we departed yeah. from Switzerland, but mm-hmm. Sudan. Uh, was actually something that uh, we had not expected before. There has been a coup, a military coup in in Sudan, and Ethiopia is essentially a civil war going on Mm -hmm. with the borders all closed. So our um, intention, to drive down the African continent down towards south along the east coast uh, vanished. We had to make a U-turn which uh, has not been easy at all. It has taken about one week of uh, organizing our exit from Egypt back into Jordan. We Ah, We wanted to get from Egypt straight into Saudi Arabia which was not possible because of COVID and the only way we could you know get back to this site uh, the Arabian Peninsula was to travel again across the Sinai with a 4x4 and then from Nuweiba, which is in Sinai uh, ferry it into Aqaba, Aqaba, Jordan unfortunately no 4x4 has done that before or at least not in the last um, I don't know five, 5 to 10 years so we had to get the permits uh, to drive our own vehicle through the Sinai which uh, took us for 4 days and one We had the permits. We we made it through. Wow. And that's another article we put, you know, in Facebook. Yeah. Just to explain uh, how other overlanders uh, could do it in the future.
0: Nice. So, yeah, you're traveling in a really tricky time in tricky places. And trailblazing (laughs) through. And you made it into Jordan. Yes.
1: Back into Jordan. Um, The choice of Jordan was also because it was Christmas. So, we uh, spent the... Yeah, we could enjoy a little bit of Christmas, you know, sure. in, in, in the Arab countries, um, it's not as easy as you can imagine. Sure. But uh, Jordan has a uh, uh, Christian community, so it was good. And preparing uh, our crossing into so, Saudi. Uh, Saudi was meant to be a short trip in the north, uh, now has become uh, a highlight of this entire season. Yes. We will spend uh, probably about two months and uh, I think we, we enjoy every single minute uh, in the Saudi. It's fantastic. It
0: is incredible.
1: It's, isn't it? it's it very is nice. where we meet. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> ah,
2: Here we are. <laughs> I, have,
0: I had seen you guys in the Overland Middle East Facebook book group and then followed you, I think, on Instagram at some point, and I had been following your journey through. Through the area, and I saw your your post on that Facebook group about Iraq and I was like, what is going on? <laughs> what are these crazy Swiss people doing? <laughs> no, no, like it's incredible. Like a testament to patience and tenacity and resourcefulness that you're going through these areas that people haven't gone during a pandemic at the same time. It's it's not easy to travel right now. So I think it's pretty cool. Saudi, right? Saudi. This is place is special, really special. Amazing.
2: It's amazing, amazing.
1: yes. I wasn't prepared for Saudi to be frank apart sure. from a few places you know I had I had not a real you know clear clue of what Saudi was and right. I thought well it's essentially a big desert uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> empty and boring it's you've uh, been traveling as well uh, Ashley
2: surprise after surprise
1: it is one huge national park
2: it
1: is yeah right and and it doesn't finish to surprise you
0: Yes, it was like overlander paradise, like almost every single time, like you were saying about Mongolia, you could just pull over somewhere incredibly beautiful to camp and there's no one really there. Most of these places are empty or not very many people around, so... It's really special here. I feel like there's so much to see, so much history. People are incredibly welcoming and friendly. I've never experienced that enthusiasm before. And a diversity of terrain, like we just went through this wadi together a couple of days ago. That was like an oasis in the middle and there's water running through it and it's green and beautiful and these Big orange cliffs, and then you know the next day you're in the dunes or you're in a volcanic area. Like it, it's overwhelming, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's what I said. Um, I think to you two days ago, right? I'm afraid actually to move off into or go into another country because I I kind of fear that I won't experience this anymore. Yeah. You know. That, you know? So I'm I'm a bit afraid actually to leave, <laughs> to leave so- Saudi. But I mean, uh, obviously we will do it and.
0: And Oman is supposed to be incredible. Yeah,
1: Oman is our next country. And we will probably finish in the Emirates in Dubai and close our season four. (laughs) That's why why we take a break, right? Uh, Close our season four in Dubai and then continue our uh, journey from Kenya. We will ship our vehicle to Kenya and uh, and drive from Kenya to Cape Town.
0: Fun plans on the horizon. That's very exciting. It'll be really nice to watch you guys continue on on your journey.
1: We are honored.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was gonna ask you, Kiara, about how, if you have any travel tips for women traveling throughout the Middle East that have come from the West, because I found when I was researching for this trip, I was a bit unsure about, like, what to wear or how to, how it would be received, you know, if I don't have a headscarf on
2: or... But I think if you are in a big city, you don't have really to cover yourself. The the people in a big city, they are more open. But if you are visiting a small village, yeah, a small village especially, it's nice that you cover a little bit. You don't really need to wear a... Be a buyer. Yeah. But just, you know, just cover your uh, under your knee, mm-hmm. maybe put a scarf sometimes. Also, if is not required, uh, it's just, you know, so sometimes the people, they are looking at you like you are coming from the, another planet. <laughs> so it's just a little bit of uh, respect to to the local people. But uh, otherwise, like a woman, I, I don't have a big problem. It's uh, it's OK.
1: Yes. Saudi is opening up itself incredibly, sure. I mean, for yeah. five years ago it was more, much more difficult for a woman to travel, Definitely. a Western woman yeah. to travel Saudi, but today I would say, yes, you have to obviously be respectful. Yeah,
2: a little bit of respect yeah. too, because you are visiting the country, but otherwise uh, I don't feel, uh, it's okay. No problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel that way as well. And I think, you know, wearing loose clothing was one thing that I heard that was important. Yeah. Like um, nothing too low cut. So like kind of a looser top. And no, like tight pants. No, or wear something over top. Like you have a great—it's like a jean dress.
2: Yeah, is a it's a long dress, and uh, and sometimes if I really in a small uh, small village, I put my scarf, and it's all. And now you have also to wear the mask, the, the mask it's so good. it's uh, it's okay. <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. You have an abaya, which an abaya, uh, like listeners aren't familiar with it, is which I wasn't either before I came to this part of the world, but it's. It's like a long black robe and you can
2: pick them up i think i got mine in saudi i don't know i also I, I also pick it up here in uh, ev- everywhere you go in a small uh, market mall you mm-hmm. can found uh you can found it easily it's not a problem actually i come with my things from europe and it was uh, a little bit of color
0: <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> yeah It was interesting because I was trying to watch, well, Richard would like watch the reactions of like the men that were passing me by just to kind of see. And it seemed like if my hair, like I have long hair and if it was out, I think they kind of would like look and do a little double take and then like look away. And so sometimes if I had a scarf over my hair, I drew less attention, but it's not required.
2: No, it's not we required. We do not
0: have to wear an abaya, we don't have to wear a headscarf here. No, and we can drive, it's legal to, for women to drive.
2: The only thing is sometimes when you go to the restaurant that you are not allowed to sit down with, uh, with the men. So they just ask you, uh, please just go with your husband to the family room right so it's but okay no, no pro, no problem for me because
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, they have in rest, some of the restaurants like you were saying there's a family section yes and then there's is there like, like a men's section yes. as well so you kind of get shuttled over to that which is fine I think um, it might be more difficult sometimes if you're traveling as a solo female I think
2: yes but it's uh, it's a for solo female they just uh, you go there and they come to pick up your order so it's not uh, it's not too It's not a big deal.
0: (laughs) I think the cool thing too is that we get to see a side of things that, you know, like Richard doesn't get a chance to see. Like we got invited to somebody's house and he kind of got shuttled away into this back room and he got to hang out with the husband and the the boys and I got to hang out with the mom and grandma and, and the kids and got invited into the kitchen. and and you get
2: to see them without Yes we I got the, I got the same experience sure. yes yes yeah. And what was that
0: like for you? It
2: was nice because you know uh, I was really curious to see actually the local uh, local uh, women here yes. because they are covered so it's uh, and uh, they are nice ladies. They are really pretty ladies.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Yes, and I think I would say like ninety-five, maybe even ninety-eight percent of the local women here seem like they're full. Yeah, they're yes. Full covering, so you don't you really see eyes, and that's that's it. So it's I
2: just great. saw maybe two three ladies without with the open um uh, the face yes
0: covering yeah it's a special experience for sure there was a lot of google translate happening when i was over the, in their kitchen Sorry.
2: she she was talking a little bit of english
0: yeah that helps <laughs>
2: oh it's
1: Good. uh no. normally women are uh, more educated in terms of english language
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, so that's something I, I experienced. Uh, if I see a couple uh, and I have to ask any question, I normally try to ask indirectly, obviously, because you're not supposed to talk to the lady, but right. you try to get her a chance to answer because she will understand yes. English. He will maybe not understand English.
0: That's been our experience as well. It is interesting, the first few days when you arrive and you don't really know like what, how to interact sometimes. Like you're, I was a little bit nervous and intimidated almost, and I didn't know how, but it's like a human. It doesn't
2: matter, yeah, and it, you know. After a few days, you know how to communicate and uh, how to, to manage everything. <laughs>
0: yes, it takes time, but it's it's good. What have been some of the highlights for you guys traveling through Saudi? Like history-wise or see like specific spots or food or what, what do you think is your is the highlight so far?
1: In terms of in terms of history, I think we haven't seen yet the really highlights in Saudi uh, or at least compared to what you can see in egypt or in jordan mm-hmm. you know places like petra or mm-hmm. um, saudi so far hasn't yet offered uh, a comparable highlight uh, historically speaking
0: seems to be like woven into everything
1: yes yes but yeah i mean a castle or you go and see some you know former i mean everything is restructured um, in a way that is almost you know disney World type Mm. It's too nice, you know. Mm. I miss a little bit this, you know. Let it be how it was, or let it show how it was before. Ah. They just do a bit, a bit too much. But I, again, the north is not supposed to offer a lot of history. Okay. it will be actually more the south. Sure, and I have a few places, a few spots that obviously we are going to. To visit, nice. Starting with Jeddah, uh, yeah, Jeddah. Mm-hmm. Jeddah has has a few very very nice uh, historical uh, sites to to visit. Food is sorry not a <laughs> highlight. Um, it's pretty much the same everywhere you go. Right. I would say there are two things. One are the people, as you are saying. Mm-hmm. the People are very friendly. Uh, the Bedouins they invite you everywhere, you know, to have a cup of tea or mm-hmm. yeah. they want you know they, they are very open. Uh, so the people and the landscape I mean those deserts some of the deserts are just fantastic but you can have
2: no no uh, I'm uh, same opinion food is not is, is good good food but maybe after three months of Arab food it, it's it's enough
1: chicken <laughs> and rice chicken so yes yeah. it's not even the Arab food I think.
2: It's, it's a mix of uh, Syrian Bangladesh and Indian food so it's uh, actually Maybe we try local food, but this kind of local f- food, you have, uh, you have it only when you are invited uh, in someone's house. Somebody's house, yeah. yes, But outside, otherwise, is it, a mix of food.
1: Yeah, we have been invited by a local family a week back. Th- that family has been very nice in terms of offering us all sorts of really Arab dishes. Mm-hmm. But you can't buy them. You have right. to, you know, you have to be invited. You can't go to a restaurant and enjoy the same culinary experience. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we had really good Syrian food in Riyadh, and that was the gentleman that invited us over. That was Syrian food. Yeah. It's not yeah. quite the same, yeah. but um, it was delicious nonetheless. Lots of different influences from this side of the world here too. Mm. So, take me through a typical day in your life. And I think that that is a hard question to ask because every day is so different. But do you have certain rituals or things that you do that are the same every
2: day? Uh, Wake up, breakfast. (laughs) Coffee. Coffee, first things is the coffee. The first things morning time is coffee. Uh, What kind of
0: coffee do you make? Oh yes, that is the
2: (laughs) typical Italian coffee with uh, the mocha.
0: (laughs) She makes a killer cup of coffee.
2: So we do the coffee and after we, after breakfast, We try to be ready in around uh, 20-30 minutes and we start our journey. Or we already have decided what to do the the night before, or we just uh, go inside the car and we drive. (laughs) Marcel, go ahead
1: (laughs) Just to clarify one thing I mean, I know that especially the non-overlanders they believe uh, we have a perennial holiday
0: I was going to ask you Uh, I was going to say what is uh, difficult (laughs) about overlanding because you are not on a holiday it's not a vacation so sorry, continue (laughs) No problem
1: So I try to explain that this is absolutely not a holiday The holiday is when we take a break and we go home Yes That's our holiday. When we are overlanding, I mean, I feel this is a full-time job. It is. For sure. Okay. Apart from the six months it took me to plan this trip, Switzerland to South Africa, I had to find probably 250 or 300 sites. Uh, Apart the fact that uh, it took me about six months to plan this trip from Switzerland to South Africa, and I have pinpointed about 300 places that we wanted to visit. Okay? (laughs) And obviously you have to choose which is the place or the places you you want to put on your list. And you have to do a lot of reading, a lot of research. So this is something you do before that. But once you are on the road, I mean, every day you have some challenges, you know, be it where do I get water to fill my tanks? Where can I get diesel? Where can I get grocery? And the groceries here, it's not like going into a mall in um, mm-hmm. Canada, right? No. It, it is, Different. sometimes it, it is a challenge. It is. And you have to check two
2: or three small shops to find the...
1: Come four o'clock, okay, Saudi is very easy, but there are countries where at four o'clock you really have to find a camp, a place mm-hmm. where to spend the night, and it's not that easy. No. It's not that easy. Every day you have a number of challenges to solve. I, I find it very rewarding, but again, it has nothing to do with holidays.
0: No, I, I confirm. <laughs> I can't <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Everything is like trying to figure things out. Like oh, yes. We we're talking about where do you get water? And obviously, like from our experiences in Latin America, you can get water at some fire stations or the store or yeah. or whatever, but here is different. So we we're are in the about desert.
1: that today. Where yeah. do you get water yeah. in the desert,
2: right? But actually we... And you find it. Yes. Yeah. Actually, it was... Now we know that we, if we go close to this kind of mosque that there is the tank and the filter and we can have... the water from there. But when we enter, it was like, oh, now where we can get yeah, but some water?
1: Yes. To, yeah. about yeah, they are gravity gravity fed those those water tanks? And frankly, it takes one hour to fill our our tanks. You know, until you have the pipe sorted out. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, right. just, it takes one hour you know, <laughs> just to fill our water tank. Yes,
0: everything does take longer. I yeah. feel like you're not. I'm gonna put my dirty laundry in my washer and dryer, and it'll be done. Uh, in that an
2: is hour. an that is another <laughs> problem. But he- here, in, here in Saudi is easy because wherever you go in a, in a part hotel or in a hotel, somewhere there is a laundry. Every, everywhere you can find the laundry or a dry cleaning, whatever you call it. In some places it's, uh, it's expensive. Or you don't have it, so you have to go back like you, you know, the old yeah. time hand wash.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: I really want to go to Alaska. That I want to do it. Ah, <laughs> nice. Yes. Why? I don't know. I like uh, the idea to spend uh, sometimes in Alaska with the snow, cold, the dog.
0: it's the opposite of now
2: (laughs) yes but uh, you know it's nice to have all the experience together and uh, you can compare which one is the best or uh, not which country is the best because all the country are the best they are nice and uh, but the experience yes the moment. The, or, or the moment, yeah. yes.
0: Yeah, how
1: about you? We will eventually visit all continents. Um, it will take us another three, four years, but uh, this is a project that we will complete for sure, unless uh, as, as as long as we are in good health. Yes, we are going to do this. Let's put it that way. Now the question is, uh, what will we will we be doing next? What
0: are you looking, every, really looking forward to? No, uh, every
1: continent has a number of highlights, or every mm. season, as we call it, has a number of highlights. So. I can tell you, you know, which would be the highlight in season five, uh, because I have planned already and I know already which is, a, okay, <laughs> uh, you know, next will be Australia. Yes, we have been mm, yeah. different times or several times in Australia, but there are a few areas we would like to join the dots because we have seen the dots, but not what is in between, right? right. Patagonia or Central America or North America, Alaska, I Should say, there are many beautiful places but what i'm trying to figure out now is which are the places we will revisit ah. after after because oh. we need to have a story after the story right sure so since uh, one of our missions is to share what we see with our own eyes you know the question will be uh, which friends are we going to include in our next <laughs> big big <laughs> uh,
0: amazing I love that. People want to find you on the internet or they want to watch your YouTube videos at the Premier Highway or of the vehicle build or through the Balkans. Where can they
1: find you? We are called Overland Vagabond. (laughs) We have obviously our overlandvagabond.com site. And that's uh, from there on you can find, you know, all our uh, social Uh, presences in Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's where we communicate while traveling. So we write one or two posts per week with uh, lots of pictures. (laughs) The moment uh, we are not traveling, we work on editing videos. (laughs) And that's where YouTube and Patreon channels are being active overland vagabond is what the way how to find us in all those places perfect patreon is for the very close friends and family uh, but obviously everyone who wants to know more about what we are doing is welcome to join us on patreon they um, enjoy a number of uh, services that are unique Uh, for instance we are traveling now and they can see in real time where we are They can send us in real time, you know, questions or yeah, we we do special videos for them. I try to post every two months a specific um, message about what is going to happen next. So they have an advantage over all the others because they know exactly what what, what we are about yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how long it will take to publish these podcasts, but um, there are not many people who know that we are targeting to drive to South Africa. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, <laughs> info. That's mm-hmm. insider
1: info. But... Our Patreon people, they know it.
0: They know it all. They know it all. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time to chat with me and for coming on the Overland Journal podcast. I super appreciate it. And it's been really lovely to talk to you and hear about all your experiences trailblazing through (laughs) the world.
2: It was very nice to meet you, Ashley. Thank you so much. And thank you very much.
0: Thank you, everybody, for joining us.